Are you one of those teachers who has found themselves like dreading a particular subject, like a storm cloud on the horizon? Does the mere thought of teaching it make you feel like you're trudging through mud? I get it. I think every teacher has that one subject that seems to defy their teaching magic. But what if I told you that this very subject, that could be the secret ingredient to reigniting your passion for teaching? You'd probably say, well, Brittany, I am not a social studies person, or I'm not a math person. And I find myself saying stuff like that too, because let's be real, that one subject that you can't stand, that is killing your vibe. I once said that I wasn't a math person and that I wasn't a gen ed person. I was really good at special education, making curriculum accessible. I was really strategic with the things that I did in my own classroom, but when I had to go co-teach, I hated it. I dreaded it, if I'm completely honest, because I didn't feel like I was using what I was truly good at. I wasn't using my area that ignited my passion, right? And you probably have that exact same feeling about one subject or another, one that's just not your jam. But when I started really getting into the best ways to co-teach with other teachers and using my strengths in that classroom, I kind of found myself not hating it. Suddenly, like I was using my strengths to illuminate that path, even in a subject I initially disliked. I brought my expertise and honestly, some of my previous drama skills of improv <laughs> to make that learning accessible in those classes because that is what I'm good at. And when I really honed in on my strength and brought that into the area that I originally dreaded, it really changed the game. And that's exactly what we're talking about in today's episode and why I brought on my friend Mona from Mona Math to come onto the show. She is your go-to girl for all things math. But what you might not know about Mona is that she is a former math avoider, but she's also a teacher and she's an instructional coach in Chicago. Her passion for math came when she discovered how to engage every student in a subject that she too disliked, but how, right? through intentionally changing her math class to help students be mathematicians through exploration, real world problems, productive struggle, and math discussions that made math come alive for Mona and for her students. And now she shows teachers how to build math culture through rigorous student-centered math instruction. She is not only a math wizard, but she is also one of the easiest people to talk to. Her energy is simply chef's kiss, and I instantly connected with her. So I have no doubt that you will connect with her too. While we'll deep dive into math because that's her specialty, I want you to know that everything that we discuss in today's episode is entirely adaptable to any subject that doesn't exactly light your teaching fire. So get ready to be inspired and empowered to transform your teaching no matter what the subject, and let's get into it. Hey, teacher friends, welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, your one-stop shop for beating the teacher burnout cycle once and for all. Whether you're searching for inspiration, sustainable strategies, ways to reignite your passion for teaching, or just how to live your best teacher life without sacrificing your personal life, you are in the right place. No cookie cutter solutions here, just real raw experiences and tips from other teachers who've been there, done that to remind you, you are not alone. I'm Brittany, your host, a special educator at heart instructional coach, mom slash bonus mom of five kids, and teacher burnout and sustainability strategist with my agency, Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul. 
I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize burnout prevention and recovery so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life inside and outside of the classroom. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, and discussing the hot topics in teacher burnout with other teachers so that you can transform your life from chaos to confidence. On this podcast, we believe in supporting and uplifting one another to heal the system from the inside out. So let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. Really quick, before we get into this episode, I want to give a huge shout out to Erica Stolzenberg for leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. She says, I am so, so thankful for this podcast. I started following Brittany after finding her summer self-care conference last summer, and I really struggled with finding the joy in teaching after COVID. The 2020-2021 school year was very difficult one for me. Fast forward to this year, after attending her conference, I told myself that I was going to take more time for myself because I couldn't let this job continue to be my life. Now I listen to this podcast in the morning when I'm getting ready for school to help ease my stress and continue to avoid burnout. Thanks again for everything that you're doing for teachers everywhere. And while Erica knows this because I check in with her from time to time on Instagram, Erica, your support means the world to me. And I am so thrilled that this podcast has been a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. And I want you guys to know that I read every single review. I read every message, every email, what have you. And I love, 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 love to connect with you guys. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. And if you've already done that, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews and your ratings not only brighten my day, but they also help the algorithm work its little magic, making it easier for more educators like you to discover this content. Not to mention, I'd love to give you a shout out for being such an amazing supporter. Together, I feel like we can spread this message of empowerment and positive change in our education system. Now, for real, let's go meet Mona. Hey, Mona, welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I am too. I introduced you prior, like earlier on, gave you a great little bio, but I got really stuck on the math avoider comment. And so it's just sticking to me. So can you share like your personal journey? Like how did you go from being a math avoider to becoming a passionate math teacher? Yeah. Well, so I always like to say I'm a math avoider, but I guess you're right. I don't always explain it to people and what that means. But so I'm an elementary school teacher. I went to school to be an elementary school teacher. And when I went to school, I mean, when I was in kindergarten, I came home like the first week and I started being a teacher. You know, one of those, <laughs> like my books were in the windowsill and all my babies were set up. And I was a teacher starting from age six. Um, and I always was in to read alouds and social studies and learning about people and how, and you know, just like debating and talking and being creative. And that's always been my passion from when I was a first kindergartner all the way through college and even into my teaching career. And so math was just never part of the equation. The pun is there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, I, I just did the most that I had to do, I guess the least I had to do, as you say, and got through. And so, you know, to me, getting good grades was important. And so I would learn exactly what I needed to do to get the grade. If that meant I needed to turn in accurate homework, 
I cheated. If that meant I needed to get A's on the test, I studied the study guide, I memorized the steps, I listened to the teacher, I did what they did, and then I reproduced those. Yeah. But I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about math and definitely didn't enjoy math like at all. I just was there yeah. to get it done. Um, yeah, you can relate to that. I feel like that's so many of us, right? And yeah. <laughs> so if you got to the other side and you're a teacher now and you're like faced with teaching math, at least for me, I got into the classroom and it was like, I say math avoider because it's like, again, I'm like, yeah, I'm here for the integrated social studies and ELA lessons. And we're going to take all these cool field trips that relate to our science studies and all of that. But when it comes to math, it's like, it's time for math. Get out your book. Okay, 76. Here we go. We just got to do these three prop, like pages and we're going to get through it. I'm going to put it on the board, show you how to do it. Maybe we'll sing a song, use some whiteboards. I'll give you some manipulatives, but like, let's move on so we can get to the good stuff, guys. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and I was actually teaching a lesson just like that. And we had a resident principal and she came in and she was watching the lesson. And I was like, oh no, like here I am teaching one of these lessons that I haven't prepared for. I just put the lesson number like I did every week, right? Okay. Lesson one on Monday, two on Tuesday, et cetera, in my lesson plans. And then I'm like, she's in there and I'm like, I'm teaching some random lesson on data or something. I don't even know why I'm teaching it. I don't have the standard. I don't have the learning target. I don't know anything. I'm just walking the kids through the worksheet. And afterwards, slightly embarrassed. And she's like, so how did it go? And I was like, well, I wasn't prepared for an observation. And we already had like a good rapport, but I was like, what the heck? And she was like, yeah, what was that lesson? And I'm like, honestly, I had no idea. I have no idea. And that's how most like math lessons go. And she was like, okay, thanks for being honest with me. And I was like, it's just not my thing, but like, come back in tomorrow. We're reading this awesome like article, you know, and I just like invited her in for something that would be better. Yeah. Um, and then she was transformational in my kind of journey to becoming a math non-avoider. <laughs> and um, she, you know, really taught me that like math doesn't have to suck. It can be like super fun in like, all the things that I love about social studies and ELA and all the other things, like those can come alive in math. And she pointed me in the direction of some research that has been around forever that I had no idea about. And I just was like, honestly, shook. I was shook. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm like, I'm a person who it's like, if I don't know something and I'm like, I, I honestly, I'm like in this moment, I'm like, wait, I was shocked. I'm feeling it. Um, <laughs> if I'm, I'm a person though, it's like, if I don't understand something or I don't know about something, I go all in. And so I, we just are the same. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I knew that from the beginning of meeting you, <laughs> but I'm like, I just, I read every book. I listened to everything I could find. I watched videos of people teaching. I asked her back in because she is an expert and I was like, teach with me, show me, like plan with me, I explain it all to me. And she did. And I very quickly became good at planning and facilitating math lessons that felt like those like really rich, like literature talks that you would have, or when you're debating something in social studies, like 
that's how math started to feel. And I was like, this is amazing. And it's like, it was helping me learn math. Yeah. And so as you can tell, I'm getting all excited. That's how I felt. I was like, this is how it should be for everyone. And for me, it's an equity issue. It's always an equity issue. It's core belief. And it's like, every child needs to leave our classrooms feeling like readers, feeling like writers, and feeling like mathematicians. And so it just became a thing to me of like, not enough people are talking about this. Not enough people are like addressing this with our children that need it most. And so here I am. I'm like, let's freaking Here is go, y'all. Mona Math. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you, know, you know, you were talking and you said that you you just did whatever you needed to do to get it done. And I can relate to that so hard that I I did that with reading. I did that with math. People thought I was a freaking genius, but I didn't understand any of it. Like I did not understand multiplication or division until I was in college. I didn't understand the application purpose. Like I knew I memorized it, right? Like, and I feel like that's so often how, at least how I grew up, the the way that education was, they just give you this information. You memorize it, you regurgitate it. The end, that's all you got to do. And now being a teacher, being a mom, learning from that experience. And I, I bet you can kind of like, you can, you get me with this, but I feel like the application part is so much more important. And it's what kind of gives you that energy when you're in the classroom teaching. Like you really, you get it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like that is actually probably what changed in my classroom was like, I stopped focusing so much on like the individual skills mm-hmm. and I started focusing on the application because I agree with you. Like when I went to school, it was like worksheet city, those textbooks that they, they weren't even rep- They were like, you use them every year. You just had to like copy the problem on the line paper. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yes. Even like the- <laughs> Do the odds, you know, yeah. the evens yes. were in the back of the book and those were the ones you wanted, but. They gave you the odds instead. Even when you were in like fourth grade, like it wasn't even like, it was so early. I remember even having to copy like questions like about reading or whatever. And I, you would have to copy them on the line paper, whatever, all that like busy work. Right. And it was like, what we were spending all of our time on was not the deep thinking that like depth of knowledge Mm -hmm. that we know our kids need now. And so I think, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately is that like, what's the purpose of school? And like the way we were taught was to be industrial workers. Yep. Right. And so a lot of our experience in college learning to teach is in our last two years. And if you really start adding up the hours, like once you get into your classroom for the first time, the amount of time you've spent thinking about teaching is very minimal compared to the amount of hours we've spent in classrooms being students. Right. So as a student, if I'm being taught in a way that's preparing me to be a line worker to, you know, I'm in Michigan, I grew up in Michigan, I should say, you know, to be a a car maker, right. To work on a line, then like you just need to do the things. Then when we're in our classroom, if that's been our experience, we are going to default to teaching in those ways. Yes. Not because it's like 
we're trying to do the wrong thing, but it's because I say this all the time. We're a, we are products of a broken system. We know better. We know we need to do better, but we default to doing things the way we were taught. Yeah. Because we don't know a different way. Right. I completely agree with that. And and I've, I have been there. I think when, when I was burned out the hardest yeah. in my teaching career, it was because I was defaulting to that. I was going straight into, well, let me just do what everybody else is doing. Let me act just how everybody else is acting. Like, did you ever, did you ever get yeah. teacher burnout? Like, did you have any experience 100%. with that? Well, and I think it's like, it's just a constant battle, right? It's a constant battle of like, am I going to like, what, what subject am I going to burn out on this year? Right. right. Like, Cause you can only really feel like fulfilled and sustained in maybe a couple parts of your life at once, you know? Yeah. And so I think the most, the time where I felt the most burnt out was probably when I was just like doing that, like lockstep, just like do this, do this, do this. And it mm-hmm. wasn't any, I wasn't bringing any of my intellectual like greatness or mm-hmm. skill to it. Yeah. And like, I'm really good. I know now, and I'm okay with saying that y'all, if you're good at something, say it, right? Yes. Like I am good at facilitating discussions. I'm good at listening to people and getting all the voices to come in and have a rich discussion that leads us somewhere great. And I can do that about social studies and I can do that about a really great read aloud. And I wasn't doing that in math. And I think that's what it was. It was like, I was just slogging through, you know, and nothing was getting me excited. Um, And I, yeah, I just think, you know, the, the jobs our kids are going to have like in the future with like technology, the problems they're going to solve, like those aren't invented yet. And so they have to be problem solvers and critical thinkers. And like our job also has to be that. Yeah. And like, we, I, I, I'm trying to think about how to say this like lightly, but I have the honest math chat. That's my podcast. And I feel like I'm always honest. So I'm just going to say it. Just okay? do it. <laughs> Go. I feel, I feel like a little bit of our teacher prep was to prepare us. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing is to just plug and chuck is to just be that line worker where they can dole out the curriculum and you will just do it. Yeah. You just read the script. Just Exactly. Yeah. And that is not, I think so often teachers get burned out just because, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. because they're having to follow a specific curriculum. They're not allowed to talk about what lights them up because in some states, you can't even do that. You can't even have a book in your classroom. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I get completely like where you're going. I know we've talked in the past, like on this show, like we've talked about how like the culture of our classrooms is like how it impacts teacher burnout, how it, you know, really does that. But you talk about like math culture in your classroom. Like how, what is exactly does that look like? How do you bring math culture into the classroom? Yeah. Because like as elementary school teachers, you teach everything. And so to think about like having a specific culture around a subject might be something you haven't thought about before. It surely wasn't something I thought about 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I realize, 
for kids like me and for probably most of the kids in our classroom, like they don't have a positive relationship with math. And so we had to start building some of that and building like the joy around math. Yeah. And I think people who maybe haven't thought about this can relate it to like the joy we create in reading. We want our students to be readers. And so we make beautiful spaces for reading in our classroom. And we make sure we have high quality texts for our kids to read. And we talk about our own reading lives. And like all of that has to happen in math. We have to create this like culture of like, yeah, we're going to solve problems today. Yes, we're going to be challenged. And your energy has to match. And like, it has to be a thing where you're like, mathematicians in the real world don't care about answers. They care about how they get there. They mm-hmm. talk to their colleagues, teaching them these words, right? Like of what it means to be a mathematician, what it looks like, and then making some really clear norms for your students around like thinking and how that matters more and how speed doesn't matter. And all of that starts with like looking at yourself and saying, where am I at right now with math? Right. And so I can, at the beginning of the show, I could tell you about my math story because I have been perfecting that story for 12 years. When that same coach I told you about asked us, What's your math story? And I was like, I don't know. I hate math. Like so many elementary and middle school teachers say, right? Like, yeah, don't come to me for math. Go to her, go to him, whatever. Like, we just normalize the fact that we aren't math people in the, in the biz, right? Like it's okay. Yeah. But nobody is okay with saying like, I'm not a reading person. I don't like to write. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so changing that culture. And if all you can do is change the culture in your classroom, start there because it will inspire others. And you, even if this coming year, you just say, I'm not going to say I'm not a math person and I'm going to not allow that in my classroom this year. And I'm going to, I'm going to convince everybody that math is my favorite subject, even if it's not like, if you just make that your personal mission, your math culture will shift. But then, you know, like kids pick up on what you're putting down, right? Like who are you and how you're showing up? If you're all in for reading and you're just like I was at the beginning of my career of like, here we go. Math again. Here's the script. That's the culture of your math classroom. So spending time thinking about where you're at with math is so important in creating that culture in your classroom. Yes. Oh, wow. I love your honesty too, because it it just (laughs) is coming, coming straight out. So when we're building this math culture, okay, like I think one of the things that really gets me going, gets me excited is when the kids are engaged. When the kids aren't engaged, I'm like, there's nobody to perform to. Like, mm-hmm. what am I doing here? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And so like culture kind of contributes to that. But like, how does building this math culture contribute to student engagement, that learning, reducing the teacher burnout section mm-hmm. of all of this? Yep. So I think... I think student engagement at its best is when students are leading the work, right? It's when they have the ownership, when they're so motivated that they 
can't be, help but be engaged. And so the way that works for me is that, and the way that works for me to like reduce my burnout and to like feel energized enough to like show up at math, because I don't know about you, but like a lot of times math is in the afternoon, like after recess and mm-hmm. after lunch. And it's like, we all got to have a, like a pep in our step or something needs to happen, right? To like yeah. get us through the end of the day. And so it's for me, it's about having authentic work for kids to actually be talking about real stuff. And that kind of goes with math culture because what I'm saying is you have to have this safe culture, this positive math culture, this safe community where students are willing to participate, take risks, push themselves. But they also have to do something that's fun, that's like worthwhile, that's meaningful, right? So if I just say to a third grader, go ahead and do like seven times 14, seven times nine, seven times 13, and make a raise for all of those and write equations for all of those, right? Okay, they'll probably do it because I have good management and I've worked on that a lot, right? Yeah. But if I say to them, hey, we've got a problem today. And the problem is there's only seven chairs that fit in the gym, like in rows. And I need to know how many row, like how many rows can, can fit everybody. Like, can you figure out how many kids would be able to sit in the gym if we had nine rows of seven? What about if we had 13? Okay. What about if all 120 fourth and fifth graders wanted to come to the third grade show? So that would be all the third, fourth, and fifth graders. There's 120 of them. How many rows of seven would we need then? Would there be any extra? Right. So the difference in framing of the problem Mm -hmm. is instantly engaging. Yeah. And so I'm a big proponent of saying like, create the math culture where we solve real world math problems, right? And we're all showing up to math every day knowing we're not going to phone it in on just like doing what I did in math, which is like figure out the steps, follow the steps, fill in the blanks on the worksheet and carry on. But you will be challenged here. You will have to discuss your thinking and support your reasoning with evidence and all of those things that we want our kids to be able to do in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, like, I guess that's, kind of what I mean. And that being said, is that like, then as the teacher, I'm not burnt out because I'm asking the kids to do all this work. So I asked that question and then I have built up the culture of my classroom, which includes like some intentional character work, right? Like, Hey, you're going to be challenged and that's going to feel a certain way. And so we got to talk about like who you are inside and what you do in your, in your brain and how your body feels. And what you're going to do with that, right? Yeah. So some intentional character work about being courageous in math and like persevering and all of those things. And then they go off and they solve and they will productively struggle as a, is a word in math, right? Yeah. And so we will productively struggle and then we will come back together and we will discuss it and we'll work together as a community to make sure every single person knows And that's where I love to like facilitate that student-led discussion because it's different every day. We went into this job because it's different every day. Mm -hmm. And so what better than like to hear students' voices and to empower them to explain their thinking and respond to each other? Like, that's it for me. 
I could work on that for the rest of my life. And like, that is truly how I feel about it. Like I could always get better at facilitating discussions, even though I think I'm pretty good. Like I said earlier, that is my life's work. I want to get better at listening and facilitating discussions because Ah. that's how people learn best. Yes. And then that's how they can apply. And that's like, that brings in some of that emotional intelligence that so often with phones everywhere and kids don't even know how to talk. So really bringing that into the classroom, you get to teach that skill, not just math. You're doing, you're doing all the things like you have really rolled this up into, and this is why they call you Mona math. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just call myself that, but yeah, y'all can call me Mona math. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So like, before I totally just, I could talk to you for hours. I've already (laughs) said that. But before we kind of wrap things up, I I know that there's a teacher out there who's like, I've got some serious math anxiety. Like I am really insecure about how I teach math. I don't really Mm -hmm. have the confidence to effectively teach math. It's just not my jam. What advice would you give that teacher who is struggling with their mindset around how they teach math? Yeah. I mean, the struggle is real. I think it's all of us. So know that you're not alone. And like you are surrounded by people who are all masking, right? Like that they're okay with math and they're not, we're not okay. Yeah. Um, And so that's okay. Um, And I was there too. And the thing is, you know, when my, insecurity and math. And it still pops up for me all the time. Like I'll be in a PD and somebody's like, do a math task with the people around you. And I'm like, heck no, I want to do that. Why is this- I'll, I'll talk it. I'll say it out loud and you, you guys do it. And I'll be the person who says it. Mm-hmm. I know. Same. <laughs> I instantly go to shut down. Like, mm-hmm. why is he making us do that? Why is she making us? And I'm like, I do that in my PD. So I get it. Um, we all have that feeling. It all crops up and it's our, it's our baggage. I always like to say like, we all bring suitcases of drama with us to math class. Right. And so knowing that I think helps. And I guess a few things. Um, number one is I learned the most about math overall and how to teach math by thinking more about teaching math for too long. I was avoiding it. And All I was doing was spinning out in my own anxiety and my own avoidance and just in it being ineffective more. So if you're already there and you're listening to this and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe that's me. Like spend a little bit more time, listen to another podcast about math or pick up a good book about math and just a little bit like, right? Like a little bit at a time. Um, And then the other thing I would say is just being in community with people. And so now we live in this like digital age of like all sorts of communities of people who talk about math. Um, and I was fortunate to have like that one coach and a few other colleagues that were like willing to help and do it. And then what I did was I just did a lot of math with them, which sounds lame. I know that sounds lame, but like we solved every problem that we would give our students we solved every single one in as many ways as we could. So that problem I was talking about earlier, it was like seven, you know, seven chairs in rows and how many would be in 13? How many would be in 20? Like how many would be in one, two, three, you know, like whatever you could like kind of structure the problem, whatever is most appropriate for your students. But we would solve that problem. Yeah. Okay. 
for our second graders, we're going to do seven chairs in each row for six rows. And we would think about how would our second graders solve this? And when I really started to learn about like learning trajectories of like how kids understanding of multiplication develops throughout the years, that's when I learned how to multiply y'all. So like, here I am, Mona Math, hey. And I learned how to multiply when I was in my fourth year of teaching, okay? Like, relax, it's okay, do the math because that's how you learn the math. I'll say one more thing on that really quickly. I got moved from third grade. I had spent a long, long time teaching third grade. I got moved to fifth and sixth grade, taught social studies for a couple of years. And then my principal was like, and now it's time for you to teach fifth and sixth grade math. And I was actually like, yes, let's go. Cause I need a challenge. Right. Yeah. However, I opened up the sixth grade curriculum and I was like, oh my goodness gracious. What is what is uh, rate? What is ratios? What is, what is the unit? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. And I, but I think it was like, um, Oh, finding the area of triangles and parallelograms and all of that. And I just, I really had to study and like, you know, we might feel embarrassed to say that on a podcast for all of everyone to hear, but I just like spent the time thinking about, okay, if this is how we got to do it in sixth grade, what do I know about where my students were in third grade and where does that go? Right. Yeah. And again, if I don't know it, I go, I just got to go and get all the info and it's all out there. And I'm a hundred percent happy to like point you in the direction of where all that info is, because that's what you need to feel confident is you need to know the math yourself. And that's the best thing you can do for planning. Like keep teaching your curriculum, but know the math really well. Mm-hmm. And if you know it, you can show up to that lesson and be like way more confident. Yeah. And then we can work on your teaching practices and facilitating discussions and doing all these different fun things. You know, we can add that on when you're ready, but like just spend some time answering those like complex questions. Yeah. Just get into the math. Yeah. yeah. That makes that makes a ton of sense. And I would probably have never thought of that because I am not, well, I, I am a math person. Yes, but... you are. As we all are. <laughs> As we all are. Yeah. I, like I said, I could talk to you for hours. I just feel like you're the easiest person to listen to and talk to. And you're so passionate that it just really radiates from you. So I just want to thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and talking with me today. But before you go, can you share a little bit about where the listeners can find you? Maybe a little bit about your podcast, The Honest Teacher Podcast. Yes. Okay. So on monamath.com, you can find me there. I have a podcast. I have new episodes every Monday. And sometimes when I can get it together, when I'm not too burnt out, <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to put a little mini episode out on Wednesdays. Um, so it's called Honest Math Chat. And you can find me everywhere and listen to those. I try to give like some really action-packed episodes where you can hear something and it'll hopefully make you think for a little bit. And then you can go over to Instagram and blow me up at Hello Mona Math and be like, wait, you said this, but what about this? And we can like have a back and forth and chat about it because, you know, like I've got some different ideas. I've been doing this for a while and you might be at the beginning of your journey and we can start there too. And I will say that like, I have kind of perfected this routine, which is one thing I think that like will help 
you know, reduce teacher burnout is routine. I know, Brittany, mm-hmm. you're all about like automate, automate, right? And so I agree. Like I have a routine for how I get kids thinking deeply, productively struggling, discussing their math thinking. And it's what we do every single day. And it's called Word Problem Workshop. And it's based on research. I didn't make it up. I just took all the best research and made it a routine in my classroom. And I've taught lots of lots of lots of lots of teachers how to do it. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to monamath.com slash WPW for Word Problem Workshop. And you can find out about Word Problem Workshop. It's literally my favorite thing of all time. Yes. And we are going to put that in the show notes so that everybody can go and check you out on the Instagram, on your podcast and get that workshop because yes, 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 (laughs) yes. Thank you so much again for coming onto the podcast, Mona. I hope to have you again with us to share some more. Yeah, I loved it. You're the best, Brittany. Thank you so much. Thanks. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tap me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.